0: This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. CSU makes an unpopular choice for head football coach. Why? It came across as really underwhelming to the fan base.
1: It's not like Adazio has this unbelievable resume. He had just been let go from a job.
0: Drew and Julie discuss sports interviews. Great ones?
1: I always thought George Carl was really interesting because he would go deeper than basketball. And
0: not so great ones. I think most athletes, I could give a rat's ass what they have to say. (laughs) Because <laughs> they're boring and they spout cliches. And great moments in Colorado sports. When the Nuggets upset Seattle. Seattle, Kembe lying on the floor. Right. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman.
1: And we are back for the 23rd edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. There's nothing really sexy about the number 23. Well, never mind. I take that back as soon as I said <laughs>
0: it. 23, know, one of the most well, iconic yeah, yeah, numbers yeah. in sports. In
1: sports. I forgot we're doing a sports podcast. In life, though,
0: in life, I don't. Well, well what number jumps out at you in life?
1: Uh, my favorite number is twenty. Why? Because Louis Wright wore it. So you that were a Louis, gets Wright Louis, Louis Wright fan. Wright.
0: Wright. You know Louis Wright, and later on, we're going to talk about like favorite athletes and and interesting athletes. Uh-huh. Louis Wright, I got to know a little bit because I played basketball with him after his career was over. Okay. And what a wonderfully nice man oh yeah a really nice man so that's a good guy to
1: if if you don't know who louis wright is he played cornerback for the broncos in the 70s and 80s and was a member of the orange crush a lot of people
0: ring of famer he's a great player
1: yeah he worked a job after he was a teacher he had a job during the season he had to work as a teacher after because even though you know there's talk of louis in the hall of fame right but that just is the difference between back then and and now
0: I've told this story many times. When you would get baseball cards growing up, did you collect baseball cards at all? No, my dad did though. Okay. The baseball card a lot of times they'd have the they'd always have the stats on the on the back of the card, but in the upper right hand corner, they would have their off-season occupation, which is hilarious. You just started cracking up. Yeah, they needed off-season occupation. They trained to be a baseball player. Off-season occupation when you make $36 million a year. Right, we're,
1: sitting on your ass is my occupation.
0: Right. Well, it's not – but, yeah, they – they. so Richie Hebner, who was a really good player, uh-huh. left-handed batter, it said off-season occupation. Richie is a grave digger with his dad. That's what he oh. did in the off-season. Oh my god. He go hit, you know, 285 for the Pirates during the season and then he would uh he'd be in the off season to make some uh, money. He was a grave digger.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Do you uh you collected cards?
0: I did. Yeah. Do you still have them? You know, what's funny when we moved out of our family house, I know I had some old cards. My dad uh brought some and and Jacob, my oldest and and my boys went through it. And we came up with like Ozzy Smith's rookie card. We got all excited because it said it was worth like, you know, 25, 30 grand or something like mm-hmm. that. But it has to be so pristine yeah. and whatever else. But it was interesting going back through and seeing some of the guys I had. Do
1: you have anybody that's, that is valuable?
0: I um, mean- we didn't come across anybody that was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, Honus Wagner, this thing's <laughs> worth $5 million, I wish. Oh.
1: Hence why, you know, you still have a job. Um, mm. Okay, so we didn't get to this last week. Um, because we we're talking about various things but something near and dear to your heart CSU has a new head coach.
0: They do and it is Steve Adasio and I think you know a lot of Ram Nation they they wanted to move on from Mike Bobo great guy I got to know Mike uh, you know decently over the last few years doing games up there and I really like Mike and i had said on on our podcast Julie I thought even though it's unpopular give him one more year see if he can really you know turn a corner they opted against that but the decision they made and and it seemed like urban meyer you know joe parker's the ad but it it was like this is urban meyer single search committee a committee of one Mm -hmm. and every candidate had ties to urban meyer and they come up with adazio who at boston college in eight years was a 500 coach he had um he was at temple prior to that he had one really good year at temple which is a tough place to win and it 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 came across as really underwhelming, you read that stuff, uh, to the fan base. And it got me thinking, and I don't know, hopefully this turns out great for CSU. But it got me thinking, Julie, who are the two best coaches in the history of the University of Colorado and Colorado State in football?
1: Bill McCartney and Sonny Lubick.
0: Right? You, yeah. know, you don't have to think, you know, you don't have to go, oh, who, you know. Yeah. No, Bill McCartney, national champion, Sonny Lubick. Neither one of those guys were head coaches prior. Sonny Lubick was a D coordinator at Miami. Mm-hmm. Bill McCartney was D coordinator at Michigan. And they wanted to run off Bill McCartney because the first oh, several years, sure. he wasn't winning. And they hung in there one more year, and they kind of turned a corner. And that was kind of my analogy with Mike Bobo. So this, I, I almost feel like Joe Parker boxed himself in a corner saying, you know, we, we want a guy that had head coaching experience. And therefore, they passed on a guy who wanted the job badly, who's a CSU alum, who's been a wonderful recruiter and a longtime assistant coach, also for Urban Meyer, he's one of the five candidates, Tony Alford. Tony's never been a coordinator. He's an associate head coach at Ohio State, um, running back coach. He wanted that job badly. It's his alma mater. You know, Tony's in his in his early fifties. It's not like he would be using it as a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. This notion that you have to have a guy who's a former head coach. There's a lot of cases. Somebody's got to get a chance at some point. What is? I hope again. I hope Steve Adasio does a marvelous job, and I hope they win big because they should be one of the elite um, group of five programs in the nation. But Julie, so these. At some point, Urban Meyer got a chance. At some point, Nick Saban got a chance.
1: I think because the last few years had gone so poorly at CSU, they there was a, a lot of pressure, right, on this hire. Um, when the hire was made, the reaction on social media was very underwhelming. It was it was pretty negative, to be honest, right? Yeah, it I was. Mean, it just wasn't. It's not like he, Adazio has this unbelievable resume. He had just been let go from a job. Um, he has no ties to this area. Which doesn't necessarily guarantee success, but you know he coached at BC from the East Coast. The thing that I did like about it was I think there were a couple. There were, I know there was a, at least one kid that um, decommitted, right? That's the word. Yeah, yeah, okay. But there he there was also another kid, local kid that he said he just Adazio got in his car and he went and he went to visit him right away. Like he really, and he he, he really liked him. Um, I don't I don't know enough about him to know. It it, it seemed. Odd. It seemed underwhelming. I hope for the best.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we obviously hope for the best, but that is a good job. And I'm not. And I'm not saying that he doesn't get a second opportunity, or in this case, a third opportunity, and runs with it. Um, You make an an interesting point. He coached at BC. He coached at Temple. He was on Urban Meyer's staff at Florida. So he's always coached coached in the East Coast time zone the eastern time zone he has to develop relationships with coaches now listen csus they've been recruiting heavily in the southeast i'm sure this guy knows people in the southeast it's all about finding good football players wherever they are i mean most programs now recruit nationally but you're going to have you want to have your csu you're going to want to have a foothold here and you want to have a foothold in california and and probably in texas and then you know maybe some other places We'll see what happens. I just think that we, if you're a young assistant coach, if you're a young assistant coach or, or even a middle-aged assistant coach of color, where are the opportunities? It's like they get one opportunity and you keep recycling guys. The same guy. The same guy. BC, if you take the ACC, you remove Clemson from the ACC, right now what do you have? You have the Mountain West Conference. I believe Mm -hmm. you can't, you know, I mean, Boise State carries the flag for the Mountain West. San Diego State's usually pretty strong. You know, Colorado State has good talent. They haven't been winning. Wyoming plays tough football, Air Force a handful. You can't tell me outside of Clemson, Clemson's at, at a different level, but outside of Clemson, same kind of conference as the Mountain West. Yeah, He was 500.
1: Do you think that, so Ed McCaffrey just took a job up at UNC. How about that? That was cool. And you know what? I, um, I was reading about sometimes taking those kind of jobs can be scary for somebody that's set in life, right? Because coaches are hired to be fired unless you're very unique. So I thought I actually very much appreciated that he's definitely taking a risk, taking a chance to his legacy, right? I mean, he, he probably doesn't need the money. Um,
0: no, and, and it's it, it's it's interesting. I, I know Ed only in in passing, and and Lisa, our mm-hmm. kids played together on a team at one point in time. Uh, you know, it's a great family. Obviously, they're uber talented. Yeah, right. There's some
1: good genes going. On. There's
0: there's some good genetics going on there. And, and from afar, you say, well, doesn't he want to go and run to Michigan one? You know, in Nebraska one weekend, and Carolina the next right. weekend, or on or go Saturday and then Sunday go see you know Christian play that sort of thing. Uh, he loves coaching. UNC did something that CSU and CU couldn't do. You do a podcast with with our good friend, Dave Logan. Mm-hmm. And I know in previous times, and you know where I'm going with this, when, when the job opened in Boulder, Dave had a groundswell of, of support. Oh, yeah. And... I don't know how serious it ever got because I think there was a reluctance up there, you know, either a Big 12 school or now a Pac-12 school in in CU. We hired a high school coach, and even though Dave is a legend, is a bright, bright guy, as we all know, has done unbelievable things at the high school level, Mm -hmm. it just wouldn't play well at that level. But UNC, you know, a, a, a couple levels below that. Right. They would, can, they can do it.
1: I would say this. I have no idea. I've never really talked to Dave about this. Something tells me there was also reluctance from Dave, right? I mean, I think Dave, if he really, really, really wanted that job, I think he could have gotten that job.
0: I don't know. I know UNC. I know he talked to UNC several years ago. Yeah. Uh, so UNC, again, because they're in the FCS, mm-hmm. they can do something. Yeah. And for them, if they hire Joe Schmo, who, you know, some position coach or coordinator at some other school, you and I would be like, oh, yeah, UNC hired a new coach. We we wouldn't even be talking about this. But they made a splash. They hired Ed McCaffrey. Now, would it be a splash if CSU had done the same thing? Yeah, Yeah. but it also would have been a lot of raised eyebrows because of the level of football they play at. Would you
1: have a problem if they had hired Ed McCaffrey?
0: I would have, and this is not a knock on Ed, Mm -hmm. I would have felt like that... Not yet. He hasn't coached in college. Mm-hmm. We know he's really bright. He's he. It's not he. He doesn't have anywhere near. And I don't want this to come off wrong. I don't. I'm not knocking Ed McCaffrey. And he may turn out to be a brilliant hire. Mm-hmm. But he he he's not even close to where Dave is in terms of resume. And he's coached high school football for two years. Right of valor. Right. Right. I know he played in the NFL for a long time. So mm-hmm. did Dave. Mm-hmm. We know they're both very bright guys. But that doesn't mean. You couldn't have done that at Colorado State. I would, I would have said, boy, that is a that is a complete reach. Mm-hmm. He's never recruited. Mm-hmm. He's never. Uh, he's been a head coach for two years at the high school level. What
1: do you think the fans and social media would have said, as opposed to what happened with Adazio?
0: I, I, I don't think that would have been met well either. Really? Okay. I really don't. Even though, even though Ed McCaffrey is a very well liked, for the most part, mm-hmm. former Bronco, which always carries a lot of uh you know cachet I suppose around here mm-hmm. uh, that would not have been met well not at that level but for UNC
1: oh cool let's see how that works out. Have you ever interviewed Ed?
0: Uh probably way back, yeah.
1: I think I interviewed him at altitude and uh which made me think about when we were talking about this before the show, just about we you and I have interviewed a bazillion people. If we put it together it'd be a bazillion people.
0: Is right? bazillion more than quotrillion? <laughs> which is more quadrillion really or close. bazillion? A bazillion a bazillion bazillions more than a trillion
1: bazillions more than a trillion so it made me start thinking about god out of all these people that we've talked to who are the most um fulfilling interviews that i've ever done and the funny answer to this is it's not the big names which people always ask me like who did you get to interview and what were they like and the ones where you walk away and you go dang i learned something or wow what an interesting person is not the people that you would think it is
0: I'll be honest with you, I think most athletes, I could give a rat's ass what they have to say, (laughs) because they're boring, and they spout cliches, and there's nothing there. But we all wait around in the locker room to get it, and and okay, what did Tom Brady think of uh, their victory over the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah. He says the same crap pretty much every week, and we know Tom Brady's a sharp guy, Mm -hmm. but they they don't most guys don't say anything. Right. I love Tony Kornheiser. Tony Kornheiser doesn't like having athletes on ever because he says most of them are dull. And he's right. But there are the occasional, just like the occasional person, that you go, Wow. Fascinating guy.
1: Right. That person's dynamic.
0: Who who for you?
1: Uh who you know, I always mind? um I always really enjoyed talking to a lot of the members of the avalanche and not, not necessarily the stars. It wasn't really the stars, right? Like um, I love humility. So I loved Tyson Berry. He just, he, he was like a normal guy. Eric Johnson was like a normal guy and it was fun to talk to him about being the sole American for a long time in a locker room of Canadians. Um, I guess, you know, I'm trying to think nu- okay. Nugget wise, Doug Moe would be un- the most interesting one of the most interesting interviews that I've ever, done. I always thought George Carl was really interesting because he would go deeper than basketball. Right. You know, you could talk to him about politics and current events. And I really enjoyed speaking with him. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say, but you know, I got a chance to interview Michael Jordan. I got interview. I got a, a chance to interview Barry Bonds. Oh God. Barry Bonds was like the worst. He doesn't, you don't get a ton Actually, I had names.
0: I had a memorable interview with Barry Bonds that went really well. Oh, because that's you're, you're Drew and no no <laughs> I mean I, because did I ever I tell you, you the story? About this. I yeah, talk about it. Yeah. yeah, and he gave he gave like a two minute and four second bite on Matt Holiday and it was the yeah. best bite we got. That was after Holiday's you know unbelievable two thousand and seven.
1: Who's the best Rockies player
0: currently or or ever
1: that you've interviewed that you go that that was a, that's a dynamic person.
0: Hmm. Adam Adavino is a really interesting guy. Scott Oberg, currently interesting guy. Uh-huh. Ian Desmond is a deep is a pretty deep thinker. Um, I'm, it's a great question, Julie. I'm like bouncing around in my head, going back. Um, I think Jamie Carroll, uh, Jeff Francis, Boomer.
1: Yeah, well, he's Canadian. Speaking of
0: Canadians, right.
1: Ian Desmond. We're going to get to that during the baseball season. I know that you were going to catch up with him, and that never happened. but um, and we would have these off my conversations about Ian. Yeah. like he seems a little surly to me. but I know guys inside the locker room love him. So I'm looking forward to you catching up with him and showing a side of Ian that we don't get to see,
0: yeah, we should throw it out there for our for our um, website. What interviews we as we get closer to the rocky season in particular, mm-hmm. anybody in general and in, in our sphere, Mm-hmm. In our region, would you really like to hear from on uh, on our podcast? Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. The Drew Goodman dot com, and then there's a little contact page. Hey, before we get to the break, we're just skipping over the Broncos right now. We're just gonna.
0: Did they play this weekend?
1: I got one weekend. thing on the
0: Broncos. Okay. And I and I tweeted this out. You may have seen this yesterday. Uh-huh. Coaches, as we all know, Julie, we've spent our life around coaches. And especially in football, they game plan, they check tendencies, they game plan again, they they look at their own tendencies, they spend hours and hours, they sleep three hours a night, they, there's, you know, pizza boxes everywhere, and they live, eat, breathe, sleep, getting ready for the next contest. Mm-hmm. So they show up at Arrowhead, weather's miserable, it's snowing.
1: Great great visuals, though. Great. I
0: love – who doesn't love football and truly right. in the snow where they're right. playing like it's in the backyard? Right. Can't see the yard lines. It was yeah. awesome. There's like two and a half, three inches of slush, right? <laughs> yeah. The Chiefs score first. Beautiful pass. Patrick Mahomes was playing in Miami. Everybody else was playing in Kansas City in the snow. And they kick off and, and their kicker booms the ball out of the end zone, touchback, which is fine. You want to do that – not allow the other team to return the ball if you have a kicker who can kick it out of the end zone. But in those conditions, this is where I'm saying to the coaches: Go, hey, listen, change the game plan. Every time we kick today, we're gonna we're gonna squib it on the ground hard. Yeah. Hopefully, it, it arrives at around the the 15 yard line. With typically those are the the tight end areas, fullback, tight ends, right? Those yeah. three up backs. He goes, those guys are going to have to try to pick up and gather in a wet football. Who knows? Could be a turnover. Could be a shit show. It could be a shit show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right? right. But no, they keep kicking it off. So I'm saying all this game playing, all the thoughts and, and and things that go into getting ready for your game. And you go, wait a second. We got elements out here. Don't kick, kick the damn thing on the ground. Make them try to field that wet ball. You,
1: something tells me this coaching staff is probably not the coaching staff that's going to change stuff at
0: the last minute. But it was both ways. Andy Reid, who's as revered so as good. any coach, right in the NFL, yeah. he didn't do it either.
1: Well, he didn't have to do it.
0: Well, as it turned out, he didn't have to do it. Yeah. But I, it first, I, I first thought of this, had this epiphany. Mm-hmm. You like that? <laughs> um, when they scored a touchdown four plays into the game, four yeah. plays, touchdown, right? And then they kicked it through the end zone, and I'm like, both ways. Both teams should have been kicking the ball. Did you feel
1: like after Vaughn felt after the game, he said that loss just hurt my soul. He's, he was as... Vaughn is like that guy that never really... Speaking of interviews, seems like a great guy. Yeah. Doesn't really tell you much in interviews. Very, always very happy, right? Like, I'll mm-hmm. do whatever. That was the most real I've ever heard Vaughn Miller.
0: And that's what we're talking about. There's too many cliches that are spatted out of locker rooms and in interviews. And and I I like that because he gave... He, He didn't just give you the curse Reyes tough loss, boy. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't make enough plays. Um, I thought we were ready to go, but evidently we weren't. But you know, he 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 had you know some deep thoughts with deep thoughts with Von Miller, deep thoughts with Von Miller. So I I appreciate that. I appreciate his passion. I appreciate how much he cares. And overall, um, I, I he came on the air last year during a Rockies game. Good guy. He came into the booth? Yeah. Good guy. And I remember early on I mm-hmm. found what he did disappointing after they had lost that first Super Bowl. Remember that? And he went into the party of uh, who the who did lose to Seattle. They got blown out. Mm-hmm. And he's over at Seattle's team party. Yeah. I was like bad form, man. Mm-hmm. I remember I was doing I was at the fan, still doing radio and I and I kind of got after him. I was like, that. why Why would you do that? Even if you have buddies over there, guess what? Hook up with them, you know, next week.
1: That's probably a maturity thing. Has anybody ever come to the booth? You don't have to name. We're not going to name names because mm-hmm. that's not who we are. Where they come and they sit with you. If you watch A&T, Sportsnet, you see a lot. You guys have a lot of good guests. Do you ever get a guest where they sit down and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be a long inning?
0: Um. Most of the, like the guests, like the name guests who uh-huh. are, you know, a Von Miller or, you know, some other athlete uh-huh. or the mayor or the governor. They know how to talk. The, yeah, they know. And, and it usually goes pretty quickly. On occasion, you've had somebody in there and all of a sudden it becomes a lengthy inning and we've completely run out of questions <laughs> to fire at this person. And it's like, all right, you know. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> but there's been a lot. There's a lot of interviews where we'll go, hey, man, can you hang an extra, you know, half inning? Because, yeah. And, and you want him to stick around. Yeah.
1: I like those interviews. Speaking of interviews, we're going to take a break and talk a little bit more about an interview that we enjoy coming up next on the Drew McGoodman. What?
0: Hey, it's that time of our podcast where we talk about our good friends at Ideal Home Loans. It's Brett Ivinson's company. And first up, you need the phone number 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000 they lend money and they do a, a marvelous job of taking care of whatever your needs are they're going to sit down and consult with you it's not just going to be at their office it's going to be maybe at your office your home whatever's convenient for you they're going to listen they have salary based employees and they are just tremendous as i said at what they do and now's a great time to uh, to either buy a new home and get a very inexpensive loan with uh, the rates the way they are, or maybe it's just refinance your current mortgage, or perhaps it's to pay off some debt. Whatever your situation, you would be remiss if you didn't call the good folks at Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. Again, it's 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans. Tell them Drew and Julie sent you.
1: So we were talking earlier about our favorite interviews, and one person I did not, I failed to bring up was when I was in San Diego, was Tony Gwynn. For as wonderful and a talented of a player as he was, such a nice man. That guy had a smile on his face all the time. Now, don't mistake that for, you know, being a pushover, because he could be, Tony could be something for sure. Um, But a great interview, a great interview.
0: And he loved talking baseball and the art of hitting Mm -hmm. i remember that all-star game where where ted williams was in you know poor health it was late in his life and it was at fenway and they bring ted williams out and and all the players the current all-stars gathered around julian and tony Gwynn had a special relationship with ted williams and i i had the opportunity on on several occasions as obviously you did because you were living in San Diego and, and working there uh, to to meet with Tony and to talk with Tony and he was an unpretentious beyond superstar he's one of the great hitters Ever? Whoever, whoever lived and you know with Tony Gwynn Jr. the apple doesn't fall far from the from the tree mm-hmm. wonderful wonderful um, guy but uh, you're right that's that's a great one Tony Tony Gwynn Sr. And and he and he gave back too. Coach at San Diego oh, State. Yeah. So. Well, think
1: about anybody that's spent a lot of time here knows that John Elway owns this town. Really, if, even if you're not happy with how he drafts, that was to, in San, that was Tony in San Diego, and Jingerseal was like that a lot. But that was that was in in every, in sports and community, and that was how San Diegans kind of identified themselves with somebody like Tony Gwynn.
0: You know what I just thought of because you know random thoughts pop in my mind all the time. Well, this goes back to. You know, with Tony Gwynn Jr., uh-huh. the um, the the greatest, the most impactful play by some that that affected a Colorado team, but was not made by a Colorado player, and that's we talked about it with Tony Gwynn's triple. Game one sixty two against the kid who the guy who used to babysit for him, future Hall of Famer, a guy he knew very well, Trevor Hoffman, his mm-hmm. dad's teammate. He mm-hmm. triples, helps Milwaukee beat San Diego, forces game one sixty three. We know what happened in game one sixty three, Matt Holiday's slide, the improbable comeback, and and onto the world world series. I was talking to somebody the other day, Julie, and they We're saying, I'll always remember where I was when Matt Holiday slid into home plate, right? Yeah. What are the moments in Colorado sports history Uh where you go, I'll never forget where I was?
1: Oh, well, I do remember where I was for that game for when Matt Holiday slid. I was, I had just, I was still working in San Diego or just moved out here. Don't be mad. But I was like, oh, God, because I love Trevor Hoffman. I was kind of a San Diego fan. Even though you you were born and raised here. Well, yeah.
0: Well, you were born here. I don't know how well you've been raised. I mean, your parents tried their best. um.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'll always, I was in the press box. Um, Okay. For when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in San Diego, I was actually on the field because I got to, that was like my first day of the job at Extra Sports Radio. I'll always remember where I was then. I'll always remember where I was um, for when the USA beat um, Russia in the Olympics.
0: I, I remember where I was. Where, where were, were you?
1: you? I well I was I was watching the game with my dad. And okay. it was yeah. I mean that was a big moment for I us was to at watch
0: Smuggler's Notch, Vermont. That's... Which is on the backside of Stowe. I was
1: Nobody knows where you're talking
0: about. I wasn't quite I was gonna be seventeen in a in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. We were up skiing with buddies. We had a condo up there. My dad was like, think about that. We, we on our own we we're like sixteen seventeen year olds for a week skiing up in Vermont, and we he were just watching, gave you the keys well we rented the condo It wasn't ours? Today. no parents, no parents. What happened oh, there was a, <laughs> a lot of things happened, but one of them was we were watching the Olympics, and that's when you know the miracle on ice happened, yeah, yeah, so I remember I remember I was up in Smugglers' notch Vermont uh the John Eloway helicopter you mm-hmm. kind of referenced that
1: mm-hmm. What about the abs like, were you doing abs when doing the abs. when they won the Stanley Cup?
0: when when they want yeah, when they won both of them. Mm-hmm. Well, the second one, Julie, when they here's a you know, somewhat interesting one. I was doing NFL Europe, and so I couldn't be at the final game or games when they played New Jersey. And the game with the time difference, I was in Frankfurt, and I was flying home the next morning. And I just stayed up, and the game came on at 2 in the morning. I watched the whole game, and I'm, like, jumping up and down in my hotel room <laughs> in Frankfurt. It's now after 5 in the morning, right? And I'm like, well, my flight leaves at, like, 8-something. <laughs> so I just went to the airport. I never, It was perfect because then I, I think I slept wheels up to wheels down in <laughs> Chicago, and I was ecstatic because the Avs had uh, captured the Stanley Cup. So
1: what would be that moment in Colorado sports for the Nuggets? For me, I think it would be... Um, when the nuggets upset do when the nuggets upset Seattle, Seattle
0: decambe lying on the floor right
1: I guess it would be or for me when alex English broke his finger and playing the Lakers in the western conference finals as a Colorado fan it wasn't a great moment but it's yeah. a sad moment
0: I remember things with the nuggets and obviously I did them for 10 years but I remember funny stuff like I remember when Doug Moe, they were taking on the Lakers and he and he proclaimed with a straight face we have no shot yeah, we're, we're a bunch of no hopers and we have no shot against the Lakers, which, you know, he was accurate, but he was, right. he wasn't trying to, you know, do the Lou Holtz. Oh, so, you know, the, we have, we have no shot, but we really think we're going to kick their ass. He goes, <laughs> no, we have no shot. And he was right. They had no shot. Um, that I'm trying to think what else with the nuggets. There are some funny ones. We used to play a great, great form of poker with Mike Dantoni when he was an assistant coach. And the Nuggets that year was Bill Hanslick's year where they won 11 games. And the only reason they won 11 games is Corey Alexander, who's now in broadcasting, doing a lot of college stuff on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Alexander was let go by San Antonio. The Nuggets pick him up, and miraculously, you know, he could score a little bit. And, and the, the Nuggets won five more games, I think, after they play, got I him. Did I play for that? Yeah.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: Oh, it was... It was I mean, they should have they paid everybody on that crew like tenfold. That was ridiculous. I have told this story before, Julie. I I look, I keep all my old boards. I was looking at an old board once uh-huh. and the Nuggets were playing Sacramento. And that's when Chris Webber and Sacramento was really good, yeah. right? And I looked at my board and it's the Nuggets were 5 and 51. Oh. Uh-huh. I'm not making that up. They were 5 <laughs> and 51. And the and the the Kings were probably like, you know, 40 and 14. You know, they were really good, right? Mhm. So I'm thinking to myself, how did I go on the air in the open, you know, the on-camera? Welcome, everybody, to Arco Arena, where tonight the 40 and 14 Sacramento Kings take on the 5 and 51 Denver Nuggets. Don't you have something better to do? I mean, you got to do that with a straight
1: face. right. And you did. I did. And you did. I did. Before we go, what's the next sports team, sports moment that... We're hoping is memorable. When you look at the sports teams, you because it's not the Broncos. We can we can
0: move them aside. That that, that, that we're, they're going to give us a moment. That seem yeah. That seems like hey, we're pretty close. We're
1: going to give us a moment. It's not the Broncos. They are going to go into rebuilding,
0: right? Well, I, I don't I don't think it has to be a long rebuild. We'll we'll get to that on another program. Okay. I would say right now, this Avalanche team. We mm-hmm. talked a lot about them a couple weeks ago when you were hammered out in Santa Barbara. Yep when you were celebrating your birthday for like three weeks straight, <laughs> that that particular week, um, this Avalanche team is special. It's dynamic. They have really good goaltending, and they are fast as can be, and as long as they can stay healthy when they've dealt with a lot of injuries early in the season to key players, yeah, they may provide our region with the next, as you said, moment.
1: Okay, we look forward to it, and yeah. I look forward to um, next week episode 24
0: episode 24 that's because that's a great number Willie
1: <laughs> okay there you go Willie see you means. next week Magic moments when